Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Acts chapter 11, beginning at the first verse. And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. When Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, Thou wentest into men uncircumcised, and didst eat with them. But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning, and expounded it by order unto them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. A certain vessel descended as it had been a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even to me. Upon the which, when I had fasted mine eyes, I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord. For nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. And this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. And behold, immediately there were three men already come unto the house where I was, sent from Caesarea unto me. And the Spirit made me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the, into the man's house. He showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them, as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized you with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Let us pray. We thank you, our Father, for the tremendous privilege that we have this morning to come to your house, where we can worship, pray, read your word, and we will trust our Father, hear your call in our lives. Feel the presence of your Spirit and see the works that come from your hand in the salvation of souls. Be in our midst and speak to each of us according to what our needs are. And if there's any lost in this congregation today, those who know you not, May there be a tremendous stirring in their heart and soul as your spirit comes into our midst to deal with each one in a special way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
We're continuing this morning with the general series of sermons that I've been preaching concerning the early church. And I've entitled the one this morning, Follow the Leader. You may remember a couple of weeks ago or so that we talked about the crossing of paths when Peter's path crossed with Cornelius. How that Cornelius, who was a Roman soldier, a Gentile, and a Gentile to the Jew was anybody who was not a Jew, a very devout man but was not saved, had been praying to God that God would, would explain to him what life was all about and what he ought to do. For he did not feel satisfied that his life was as it ought to be. The same time that Cornelius was praying in Caesarea, over in the town of Joppa, there was another man praying whose name was Peter. He was on the rooftop and there he fell into a trance. And the thing that he saw in his vision was a huge sheet being let down from heaven, held by the four corners, and in this sheet were all kinds of animals, both clean and unclean, wildlife, insects, you name it, it was all there. To the Jew, nothing was clean to eat except those animals that were cloven-hoofed and chewed their cud. Uh, a beef animal could be eaten by the Jew because it had both the cloven hoof and it chewed its cud. But a, a hog could not be eaten by the, by the Jew because it had the cloven hoof, but it did not chew its cud. And Peter said, no, Lord, I cannot eat of the things that are on that sheet because I have never eaten anything that is unclean. In other words, I've been a Jew and I'm pure and I'm not have not defiled my body by eating something that is unclean, and I'm not going to start now. This is what Peter was saying to God. It's amazing how we seem to know more than God knows. But we seem to know it in our own minds. And Peter was saying very flatly, I'm not going to do what is wrong, what I have never done. I've never done that, and I'm not going to start now. These two men's lives were about to cross, and each one had to to uh, deliver a message to the other. Cornelius needed to be saved. And Peter had the capability of leading Cornelius to the Lord. But Peter needed his mind and heart changed to understand that God loves all people. And that's what the representation of all the animals were upon that sheet. That all people are loved of the Lord. There is nobody in this world but what God loves. And it is the responsibility of the church and you and me to see to it that those people are brought into the kingdom of God without regard to background, without regard to race, creed, color, language, national origin, put whatever phrase you want to it, whatever attitude you might like, whether they are clean or dirty, whether they're black or white, whether they live on the, on the wrong side or the right side of the tracks, wealthy or poor. All people are loved equally of the Lord. Well, Peter had his vision. And as he awoke, a voice said to him, There are men at the door. Go with them and don't doubt. Peter didn't know what it was all about. 
He didn't know that there was a man named Cornelius a few miles down the road that had been praying that he might have some revelation as to what it meant to be saved. But Peter went with the men and he went into the house of a Gentile, which in the Jewish tradition was absolutely wrong. There are some people you don't associate with. So Peter thought, you don't go, in Peter's mind, into the house of a Gentile. That's the wrong place for a devout Jew to be. And Peter did it. And he said, why have you brought me here? What's going on? And Cornelius explained that he had been praying and that God had told him to send for a man named Peter who was over in Joppa. And he said, I have done that and now we're all here waiting for you to tell us what we ought to do about being saved. A tremendous revelation to Peter that God is no respecter of persons and God wants all people to be saved. And so Peter preached. And lo and behold, they were saved. Gentiles saved? I can't believe that. But they were. The Holy Spirit came down out of heaven and fell upon this group of people in Cornelius' house upon Peter's preaching to them about salvation. Well, this is background. Because over in Jerusalem, there is a Christian church. A group of people who are Jews, but who have been converted. They believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. They have been baptized. They have come out of the Jewish synagogue, the Jewish temple, and they have organized themselves loosely into a body of Christian people called the church. But they're still holding on to their old traditions. They haven't given up the fact that only a Jew should be saved. They don't believe that a Gentile should be saved. Well, the rumor mills began to turn. Somebody runs all the way back from Caesarea, first-class mail, to uh, the church in Jerusalem and says to James and Andrew and all the other people in the church, guess what I just saw? Peter went into the house of a Gentile. Wow. He not only went in there, but he preached to them. And do you know what he did? He baptized them. Well, now, what is going on here? The rumors began, you know, the tongues began to wag, and everybody begins to talk about what Peter has done that is so wrong. And Peter makes his way back to Jerusalem, and they pounce on him like fleas on a dog's back. They are on him hot and heavy. They don't give him an opportunity at first to even explain what went on. They said, Peter, what did you do? Why did you go in that man's house? What do you mean being there? It's amazing. You know, our, our Constitution says that every man is innocent until proven guilty. But we don't practice that. Every man's guilty until he proves himself innocent. You want to challenge that? We are ready to believe the worst about anybody. And that becomes the gospel until he can vindicate himself. And then we question whether he's telling us the truth or not. Over in Romans, the 14th chapter, 
is a very interesting passage of scripture. What we're dealing with here is judgment. We ought to be very slow to accuse anybody of doing wrong. You have heard as well as I, I don't believe anything you hear and only half what you see. That's pretty good gospel. Don't believe it just because you hear it at all. And if you see it, be very, very careful what you say about it because you might not have seen what you thought you saw. And we've all been in, in situations like that. You could be wrong. And if you're wrong, you could be doing a lot of damage. And so they presumed that Peter was guilty. And they judged him as guilty. Like you and I presume on each other all the time. And we point our finger and say he or she is guilty of violating the principles of the church. Uh, guilty of violating the gospel. Guilty of violating the Ten Commandments. Guilty, guilty, guilty. And if you're not guilty, prove it to me you're not guilty. It's the wrong direction. The Lord said here in Romans 14.10, But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Oh, not before each other. We're not going to have to answer to each other. We're going to answer to God. You don't have to explain yourself to me. Let me tell you, you do have to explain yourself to God. People say to me every once in a while in uh, response maybe to some of our conversation uh, something about I'm sorry I'm that way. And I say you don't have to be sorry to me. You don't have to apologize to me. You don't have to apologize to the church. Better, you better be thinking about apologizing to God because it is before His judgment seat that we shall all stand. Because you and I only see imperfectly, and we may not see clearly, and we may not have heard accurately, and we certainly may not have seen correctly, and so we have judged a person before there's any need of passing judgment at all, and then it is not our responsibility to form that kind of opinion. It's not our job to decide if one is a sinner or not. It's the judgment seat of Christ that does this. Listen to verse 11. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then everyone shall give an account of himself to God, and not to man. I add the words, and not to man. Everyone shall give an account of himself to God. So here they are, jumping on him with both feet, never giving him a chance to even begin to explain what he had done, and they presumed that he was guilty of violating the Jewish code of going into a Gentile house 
And even Andrew, his brother, doesn't even come to his defense. John, the great apostle, doesn't come to his defense. Nobody comes to his defense. Peter is standing there in front of that church body, and everybody's looking at him and said, Peter, you're wrong. That was the first statement they made. Peter, you're wrong. So he explains himself. And after he gets done explaining himself, in the 18th verse of the 11th chapter that we read, when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying that God hath also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. They now had the explanation. And Peter had done exactly what God had told him, and these people were saved. Now, Peter, in his little dissertation to them, explains that he is not acting in self-will, that he is not a self-righteous person, that he is not claiming that he is a man of God, self-appointed man of God. He doesn't do any of this. He simply explains the facts. He said, I was on the rooftop at noon waiting for dinner to be prepared or lunch. I fell asleep. And I had a dream. But before he went to sleep, you know what he was doing? He was praying. He was praying. There's two guys praying. Cornelius, all the way over in Caesarea, is praying. Peter, on a rooftop in Joppa, is praying. Let me tell you something. If you can find a person that prays, they're known for their praying. That's a pretty good person to listen to. We better listen to people who pray. Why? Because they've got a line to God. They know what God's saying. Here's Peter praying. And that line to God presents, puts him in a position where he can present what God is saying. God said, I want you to go preach to the Gentiles. Rodney Dangerfield, the comedian, has that little thing that he's become famous for, I get no respect. I don't give him any respect. I don't particularly care for the man to start with. I think he can go off the air any day and it won't bother me one bit. I'll tell you how he would get respect from me. And that is if he became a man of prayer. Then I'll respect him. You want to respect somebody? Find somebody who prays to respect. Leafy's not here this morning, but let me, let me use her as an illustration. I know that there is not a person in this congregation that when she stands up to testify on Sunday nights, as we have testimony so many times, of what listens to her with a keen ear. I'm telling you, I'm one of them. And you know why? Because I know that lady prays. Now, some of the rest of you, you might as well keep quiet because I'm not going to listen to your prayer or to your testimonies 
in too serious a manner. And you know why I'm not going to pay too much attention? And nobody else is either. Because you're not known for your devotion. This isn't your modus operandi. This isn't the phrase by which you're recognized like Rodney Dangerfield says, I get no respect and everybody knows that. You're not known for being a person of prayer. And a person who is not known for one who has a, a line to God will have to be looked at a little bit cautiously when he or she begins to talk about his relationship to God when there is no recognition of him having too much to do with him. Peter was known for his relationship to God. And when he stood before that congregation and said, I was praying and God spoke to me, those people listened. When you stand up and say, I was praying and God spoke to me, then we need to listen to you. Because you've got something to say. Now Peter wasn't an easy one to teach. The Lord had let that sheet down three times. Let it down one time and Peter said, no sir, not me. I'm not going to eat anything on that sheet. Forget it. He let it down again. Said the same thing. He had to let it down three times. Peter was a hard-headed fellow. Some of, some of us are mighty hard-headed. I've been accused of being that way by a few people. Nobody in this congregation, of course, but Peter was a hard nut to crack. In John chapter 12, verses 28 and 9, The Lord has just gotten through talking to his disciples about the fact that the time has come for his crucifixion, that he's going to die. And in the midst of this conversation, or at the very end of it, I guess, close to the end of it, in verse 28, he prays. He only prays four words. He says, Father, glorify thy name. But the thing I want you to notice, there came a voice from heaven saying, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. Now, 29, the people, therefore, that stood by, the people that were around and heard what he said and heard what was said in return, the people that stood by heard it and said that it thundered. And others said, an angel spake to him. Nobody heard God speak. Everybody was saying something else was taking place. Even to the point of saying, do you hear that thunder? It's going to rain. A rumble. Something that was not recognized as the voice of God. They didn't know God spoke because they didn't know God. Listen, if we know God, and if we are people in a connection with Him, like Peter was in connection with Him, when God speaks and says to do something, our minds and our hearts are going to be in tune, and we're going to hear, and we're going to know that He's talked to us. 
I've had people ask me, how do you know that God tells you what to do? Listen, if you're in tune with God, there's no question about it. Now, He doesn't say it in audible words anymore. He has used other ways of doing it. He uses the church service to do it. He uses the, the Bible to do it. When I was a young child, I'll never forget it. To, to my dying day, I sat in a revival meeting. I was 13, 14, I suppose. I don't know that man's name, but I know that God sent that particular person to cross my path. I sat on the edge of my seat glued to every word listening intently. Everything else in that room was, was not there. It was just me and that preacher and God. That's all. And God spoke something to me that came through the words of the man in the pulpit. And I know that it happens. There's some of you that have been totally uh, unaware of anything going around you here in church services, God has spoken to your heart. That was God speaking. Some of you have gotten up out of your seats and nearly floated to the front and not being aware that you did it. Why? Because you were at that point in tune with God. You had a one-to-one -one relationship with Him. It may have come through some other process, the music or the preacher or whatever, but you met God face to face. And you had a relationship and there was no question in your mind but that God had spoken to you. But others, now that we're saved, you think God's quit talking to us? No, no. We might not know that he's talking to us and say it's thunder. Or an angel spoke to him or something. Peter knew that God spoke to him. And Peter knew that God said, Peter... Go to, uh, go to Caesarea. Don't doubt. Nothing doubting. There's the key. 1 Timothy 2.8 says, I will that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Without doubting. The problem is, God speaks, and we doubt that He spoke. Oh, and God. We doubt it. This morning in our Sunday school lesson, the Lord said to Moses, turn those two million people around and head them into that Red Sea. To drown them? No. In my mind, the scripture doesn't say this, but in my mind I can imagine that the sea was still there when the first person put his foot in the water. And suddenly it opened up. And the wall of water stood on each side and the ground in between was dry and those two million people following the command of God went across that Red Sea to the other side on dry land. Why? Because they heard God speak and they responded to what he said. They took him in faith. Now listen, God talks. God is a person. 
He feels, he thinks, he sees, he hears, he speaks, and he can be spoken to. Our problem is that we don't want to treat him as a person. We want to treat him as some inanimate object, as an idea or something. God is a person. You and I face our problems like the Hebrew people faced theirs when they looked at that Red Sea. And when you know that God says march, what we do is march, regardless of what the obstacle is in front of us. When you have heard God speak, respond and go accordingly. Some of you this morning are facing all kinds of problems in your life. This being an average group, I'm sure this would be true. Some of you face family problems. Some of you face marital problems. Some of you face problems with friends, problems with jobs. Some of you may not be saved and you're facing the problem of what to do with your life and you know that eternity is facing you and you you know you're not ready for it. We're faced with all kinds of problems. But let's take that problem that you have. We need to talk to God about it. Get on that rooftop with Peter and pray. And God will respond. Now, when you know that God has spoken, then go for it. I think we ought not make decisions in our life without laying them before God. I think nobody should ever get married. You young people who are thinking about it. If you're going to get married, if you're thinking about getting married, the first person to ask about it is not the, not, if you're a fella, you're not, the first person to ask is not the girl. Did you know that? It's not her mother either, by the way. The first person to ask is God. If God gives his blessing, then ask the girl. Girls, the same thing is true. If you're going to change jobs, it's not the home and ask your wife what she thinks about it and whether you ought to move. Some of you are thinking about moving, and it may be the thing that you have to do. It's don't go home and ask somebody about it. Ask God about it. And then let God tell you. All of those situations that we face, lay it out there. I think we ought to be honest. We ought to be frank. We ought to use uh, praying type words. We ought to talk in conversation and say, Lord, I've got a problem. And here's what it is. And I don't know what to do about it. That's what Moses did. That's what Peter did. He said, Lord, I've got a problem. I've got to go over there to a Gentile's house. And I'm not even supposed to do that. And the Lord said, go, nothing doubting. Lay it out. Maybe you're like Cornelius and you're praying. And the Lord is going to say to you, like he did to Cornelius, I have a man, I have a woman that I'm sending to cross your path that will tell you what you ought to do. If you have a problem and you pray to God about it, you know what he's liable to do? He's liable to prepare somebody like Peter way off somewhere that you never even heard of maybe that will cross your path and tell you what to do. And it's not that person telling you, it's God. So pay attention when your paths are crossed. It may be God speaking. 
then when you know, I would say, plunge in head first. Go for it. Do what you know is right. Do what God has led you to do. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.